below, and welcome to a very special episode of the Wicked Library. My name is Daniel Foytek. I'm the host and producer for the show. And normally I don't do a lot of talking at the beginning of this show, very rarely, because I know you guys want to get to the story. Today's a little bit different because I want to let you know what we have for you today, because it is something a little different than the normal episode of the Wicked Library. We actually create two story podcasts, The Wicked Library and The Lift. The Lift stars our character Victoria and takes place in a Twilight Zone-esque universe where each floor of the building represents a different vice or a different sin. Characters are drawn to this building and they're presented with a choice. Sometimes they choose well, sometimes they choose poorly. But it's a show we're pretty proud of. We've been working on it for two seasons now. We have one season completely done and out there for everybody to listen to. And what you're going to be listening to today is technically a Lyft episode, but it's also a Wicked Library episode. It stars Victoria and the librarian, kind of a crossover episode where the two of them get to meet. If you listen to the Lyft normally, this story actually takes place right after the last episode that we aired, which was episode two of season two. But we felt this was a fun way to kind of introduce those of you who only listen to the Wicked Library to our other show and vice versa. The big difference between these two episodes, if you're listening here at the Wicked Library, you're going to get an author interview with Nelson W. Piles, who was the writer of the episode, also the creator of this show. This episode will actually be delivered and simulcast in both feeds, so you'll get the same episode over at The Lift. If you have not listened to The Lift before and you enjoy the story today, I do encourage you to head on over to victoriaslift.com. You can also find it in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much every place where you can listen to a podcast, we have the show delivered. So if you enjoy the episode and you'd like to check out more of Victoria's Adventures, you can do so by subscribing to that show or heading over to victoriaslift.com. Now, there is separate artwork for each show. So the Wicked Library, the artwork for today's show was done by Stephen Matico. And over at the Lift, if you go to victoriaslift.com and click on the episode, you will find artwork by John Towers. John actually has a great new graphic novel out, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about it because it is getting close to Christmas time. And if you're a fan of this show, I think that this makes the perfect gift for yourself or for someone else who is a horror fan. I actually got the chance to be a beta reader, as did our executive producer, Cynthia Lohman. Beautiful book, great cover, art on the back and front, the dark and gritty art that we love from John Towers. And I'm just going to read the blurb on the back of the book because I think this gives you a really good feel for what you're going to be getting. The ages begins with the shocking story of Cain and Abel and the journey of violence and revenge spanning thousands of years. Following Cain through his cursed life from an ancient invasion of malicious angels to the American Revolutionary War. This four-part story follows the astrological procession of the ages and how each 2,500-year age parallels major changes in the development of Earth's inhabitants. Cain's blasphemous struggle with the divine and the sacred tyrant God will create and crumble empires, shape history, and cause a cosmic cataclysm. A masterful, compelling journey through time, the ages delves deep into arcane knowledge, myth, and legend. The art is stunning, and the story takes you on a journey where mortals, immortals, angels, and demons are all forced to deal with the folly that is God's creation. 
It's a beautifully dark and gritty ride through history. I love John's work. I love John's writing. I love his art. I can't recommend it enough. I hope some of you will go over to Amazon, look John up, and pick up a copy of the book. I'll also put a link in the show notes, so you can just go over and click directly on that link if you want to pick up a copy. I do highly recommend it, not only because it's a great piece of work, but because it's a great way to support one of the artists who's given a ton of artwork to the show. We always encourage our listeners and fans to go out and support the writers and the artists and the composers who do all the hard work of making the show sound great, look great, and feel great. Special thanks to John Nespazinski, who is the music director for season two of The Lift over at victoriouslift.com. He composed the custom score that you hear behind the narration and dialogue today. Thanks for letting me babble at you. I hope everybody enjoys the story. I hope you all check out The Lift as well. A lot of the artists and writers that you've come to love on the Wicked Library are also involved in The Lift Project. So without further ado, we'll get wicked. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining Podcasts. Society-13.com. I like to listen. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Listen to this podcast. Be aware, this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humor at nightstory.com. Or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. There was the usual scream of terror, mixed, perhaps, with a little shame. The sound echoed through the hallways. The scream held promise, though, and without a doubt, there would be a glorious change. Victoria sighed. It was a good thing, she supposed. Change for the better and all that. It was her raison d'etre, she reckoned. Although she had some doubts as to what that actually meant, she'd heard it said enough in passing before her time in the building. She spoke the words as she walked away from the screams, those were at least getting quieter, and towards the lift. Raisin debt, she said, sounding unsure and a little awkward. 
She shook her head and continued on to the lift. She didn't need to take the lift. She could appear on any floor she wanted simply by wanting to be there. But she liked riding it. She always had. Although she couldn't say why. Maybe that was part of her... Raison She said again, entering the lift. She twirled and looked at the list of buttons for the floors. They were all there, of course. But something was different. The screams down the hall lessened as the doors to the lift closed. What was different? Victoria frowned. All of the buttons were there, right where they always were. Good little buttons. But there was something more, too. Another button. One that had never, ever been there. Hello, Victoria said, frowning. Where did you come from? The top of the buttons began with nine, and usually ended with B, but this new button appeared between one and B. It simply read L. Victoria stared at the button. Where do you go? The button glowed as if she had pressed it. Her head snapped back up. Well, I suppose we'll find out, won't we? The lift moved, and Victoria stood in quiet anticipation as to what this floor could possibly be. She also wondered how something like this could happen in her building. She might become cross if it wasn't to her liking. Sometimes she liked being cross, but something like this had never happened, ever. It might be fun. Or annoying. It was seldom ever both. The lift slowed down, then stopped. The doors slid open slowly and revealed a large curved room. It was almost absurdly large, in fact. It seemed to go on forever. There were hundreds of candles, all lit and dripping with wax. The room, as large as it was, felt somewhat claustrophobic, and it was filled with books. Every square inch of shelving was simply packed with books of every variety, some old, some new, some dilapidated, some in excellent shape. But they were everywhere. Victoria had never seen such a room, much less in her building. She didn't have the wherewithal to be scared. What was there, after all, that could scare her? Hello? She called. What is this? There was no answer, just the echo of her own voice. All right, she said straightened her dress and stepped off the elevator. The doors closed immediately behind her. She turned and saw the lift was gone. Victoria frowned. Cheeky lift, she said quietly. She turned back and looked around. Off to the left was a rather large desk with a sign above it that read, Quiet, written in large letters, with smaller letters below it. Victoria walked closer to read what they said, and to her surprise, they read, Under pain of death. Victoria smirked. <laughs> Cheeky sign. She walked to the very front of the desk and saw a small desk bell. A tiny sign next to it said, Ring for service. The rest of the desk was both organized and disheveled. Papers were stacked in neat piles, while other piles were charred and torn. The surface was highly polished wood, that didn't have a speck of dust on it, but the words, help me, were carved into it crudely. 
a nameplate that was charred and still seemed to be smoldering a little, sat on the desk. The name was unreadable, but underneath it, it read the word librarian. Victoria reached out and hit the bell sharply, twice. A creak was followed by a shriek-filled explosion of laughter. (laughs) A dark figure rose from behind the desk. Victoria felt her eyes go wide with surprise as the dark figure loomed over both her and the desk. It was a moldering corpse with a cravat and a dark suit, glasses, and a never-ending rictus grin of gray broken teeth. (laughs) It laughed until it slowed nearly to a growl. It looked directly at Victoria and smiled. Hello, Victoria. She felt her face break into a wide smile. She saw the figure in front of her bathed in a green glowing light. A light she knew came from her own eyes as she squealed with joy. (laughs) Uncle! She said as two very long arms reached down and picked Victoria up and over the front of the desk. She hugged him tight and he returned the hug in kind. Why, I thought you'd never come. (laughs) It's been a small eternity since I've seen you. When did you get here? She asked excitedly. How long have you been here? Why haven't you... It doesn't matter, child. I'm here now, he said and stood around the desk. And I heard you sighing across the spectral prism. You've been sighing quite a lot, my dear. Victoria's smile faded, as did the green light from her eyes. Oh, uncle... I just don't know. She sat down in a pouty lump and crossed her arms. You've gone all cross, the librarian said, slightly amused. Victoria said nothing. Come and tell Uncle all about it, he said, hopping up on the desk next to her. The two sat next to each other for a long while and said nothing. Victoria slowly leaned onto the librarian who slipped a gentle, bony arm around her while she sobbed. They sat that way for a little while longer. Eventually, Victoria sat up and looked at the librarian. Uncle, why are you here? Are you asking from a philosophical perspective? He smiled. Why are any of us here? That sort of thing? She giggled. No, well, maybe slightly, but really, why did you come? There are only a few people in this vast cosmos that I truly get on with, dear girl. I can't recall who the others are at the moment, but you top the list, he said, then leaned in close and smiled in a conspiratorial way, which Victoria loved. I'll tell a secret to you. It's really just you, and I know when my soul friend isn't doing well. So, I came as soon as I heard. Heard what? Your sigh. I told you that. So quick as I could, I brought the library to you straight away. Victoria smiled. I've never actually been to your library. How did you get it into my building? Your uncle is as clever as a clever pie. But your uncle's library is wickedly clever. You're going to tell me it's magic, aren't you? She said, smirking. Well, neither one of us can deny magic, can we? I reckon not. You reckon correctly. She looked at him for a moment. 
What is your raison d'etre? The librarian's eyes widened, and a smile broke out. Raison d'etre. He corrected gently. Oh, that's how you say it, Victoria said, smiling. The smile quickly faded. Do you know what that word means, Victoria? She nodded, then shrugged. Well, sort of. It's my reason for being, isn't it? It's the most important reason for one's existence. Why are you thinking about that? I was doing what I do here, she said. Same as I always do. Same as it always is. Same as it's always been since I came here. The only reason why I'm here. And and that made me very sad. Hmm. I see. And you wanted to know what my raison d'etre is, is that right? She nodded. Well, that's a very big question, dear girl, and quite an important one. Under normal circumstances, I would say you were too young for such things, but you're officially several hundred and at least nine years old, so it's a very valid question. The librarian slipped off the desk and stood in front of Victoria. He bent down to her, conspiratorially looking both ways first, as if anyone else could possibly be listening. I'm going to tell you something you won't quite believe, but I promise it's true. She leaned in closely. Our collective raison d'etre is appallingly random. She blinked, not quite sure what she had just heard. What? Do you feel trapped? Like you're doing things against your will? Like if someone came to your building and you decided not to see them, that they'd just go away? Victoria frowned. Well, no. And why is that? Well, if I don't help them. She stopped. Who would? She nodded. Wait, that's it? I did say appallingly, didn't I? But that's so... Random. Just agree with me, the librarian said, because there's more to go through. Trust me, it'll make some sort of sense. She slumped. Victoria, you provide something unique to the universe. You offer redemption, closure, balance. You offer the chance at the very least. That's an important thing, but it's only your raison d'etre if you choose it to be. You see, you get a choice too. I never asked for any of this, she said, tearing up. Not even in my worst thoughts would I have thought of this. Uncle, how is this my choice? The librarian stood up. Everything is a choice. Even if something happens to you against your will, it is entirely your choice as to what you do about it. He turned his back on her and walked to a nearby shelf. He ran a gnarled finger over the spines until he found the book he sought. It was a half-rotted copy of A Tale of Two Cities. He held it up. This library is full of stories. Like you are. Like I am. Like the people who pass through your building and travel on your lift. The book I'm holding didn't just materialize. It was forged into existence. It was written out of pain and agony by its author. Someone, dear Charles in this example, chose to write it. Now then, you were given a building and a lift. What are you doing with it? What are you making with it? 
Victoria, in all her years, had never even thought about it. It was something she had always just done. Well... She started, but couldn't answer. I have my library, the librarian said, putting the book back onto the shelf. I am a purveyor of fear. I frighten people with my stories. But I have always been a librarian, and I shall remain one if only to make people afraid. And do you know why? Victoria shrugged her shoulders. Because I choose to. I choose to be what I am. Is it raison d'etre? Maybe. But only because I want to be what I have become. Victoria slowly started to understand. So, the building, the lift and all of it doesn't have to be my reason for existence. However, I already have made it that way, haven't I? The librarian nodded. And what else? Victoria looked up and around for a moment. I... I don't know. The librarian smiled. That's okay, child. You don't have to know everything. Which is why your uncle has a gift for you. But uncle, what am I supposed to do? Hush, he said. Don't be impatient. He reached into his coat pocket and pulled out an old steel key. A dim green glow reflected off the key. It's a lovely old key. Of course it's a key. But can you tell me what kind of key it is? She giggled. (laughs) Is it a magic key? (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is, he said. Now then, let me explain. You have lots of questions and self-doubt, but that isn't a bad thing at all. However, should you get down about it, and you will, you can simply come to my library. She took the key from her uncle and looked at it in amazement. But your library isn't supposed to be in my building. The librarian laughed. (laughs) Dearest Victoria, have you heard yourself? It is your building. Nothing happens in here that you do not allow. It is, as you say, your building. What does that tell you? Victoria bit her lip. My building... My choice. More importantly, your life. Or whatever you'd like to call it. Your raison d'etre is exclusively and undeniably yours. Victoria let this settle in for a moment as the librarian continued. My library, like you and I as well, fall outside of conventionality. We exist where we shouldn't and therefore we exist wherever we'd like. The library can be anywhere I choose it to be, much in the same way people find your building and choose their way out. Or, well, otherwise, shall we say. We are agents of things both chaotic and orderly, sometimes simultaneously. Order through chaos, as it were. Sometimes I feel bad for them. Sometimes I don't want to do this. The librarian nodded. And when that happens, you use that key. Use it on any door in your building and it will bring you here anytime you'd like. To see you? To see me or to read, he said, opening his arms. 
In spite of its wicked demeanor, at the end of the day, it is still a library. Books of all kinds, not just the ones that the boils and ghouls clamor for. (laughs) He laughed at his little pun. She looked at the key again. What if I lose the key? The key will always find you when you need it. Victoria smiled. I would be utterly alone without you, Uncle. She said, standing up on the desk. Dear child, you will never be utterly alone, he said, hugging the girl. And you will always have your uncle whenever you need him. But what if you're busy? She asked, hugging him a little tighter. The librarian laughed, but it suddenly lacked its usual sinister quality. It sounded almost sweet. (laughs) I shall never, ever be that busy, Victoria. The librarian said in a voice she recognized as being his actual voice, the one he had hundreds of years ago when he was alive. She looked up and for a moment saw the man he'd been before, a whole man, not a rotted corpse, and saw tears of joy run down his cheek for a split second. There was a smile, an actual smile, not a lack of flesh appearing to be a grin. His eyes were delighted and happy, not black holes with a pinprick of red burning light. She had gotten a glimpse of who he had been before he changed back into the corpse-like thing that he was. And it didn't matter a single bit. This would always be her uncle, and she adored him as much as he surely adored her. Well, my dear, it's nearly story time somewhere, he said, and set Victoria on her feet. You're welcome to stay as long as you'd like. Time isn't an issue here. You can leave whenever you'd like, and it will be but a second of time since you left your building. But my raison d'etre is calling. Victoria sniffled a little, but smiled. She held the key up in front of her. Any time? She asked. The librarian bent down and kissed the top of her head. Any time at all, he whispered. She squeaked and ran toward a bookcase. (laughs) Where are you going? He called. To my lift, she called back. I believe it's over this way, he said, pointing a finger to the right of the desk. Victoria turned around, a smirk forming on her lips. As you reminded me, dear uncle, this is my building, she said. And the lift is wherever I say it is. From behind her, the doors to the lift opened. She backed into it, pushed a button, and blew the librarian a kiss. (laughs) Cheeky girl. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in for today's episode of The Wicked Library. Stay tuned for a short interview with the author after these brief credits. The Wicked Library is created and shared for free, but there are costs involved in its production. The Wicked Library now has a Patreon account. Head on over to thewickedlibrary.com for more details and to support the show you love. We really do count on your support in order to make the show possible. The Wicked Library is sponsored by the Legends Myths and Whiskey Podcast, brought to you by a team of storytellers and whiskey lovers. They bring culture to life through storytelling every week. You can find them over at legendsmythsandwhiskey.com. 
You can, of course, also find them in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. They also have a production of Beowulf, fully scored with music by someone those who are fans of the Wicked Library would be familiar with, Nico Viteze. Find links in the show notes or head on over to legendsmythsandwhiskey.com to find out more. The Wicked Library is a Ninth Story Studios production. NinthStory.com All audio recorded in-house at Ninth Story Studios is recorded on Rode microphones. Find out more information about the great products over at Rode.com. That's R-O-D-E dot com. And big thanks to Rode for helping us make this show possible. Complete show notes, including credits for music, art, story, and narration can be found at thewickedlibrary.com by clicking on the appropriate episode number. You can also find a link to our Twitter account, our Facebook page, and a link to rate and review the show in iTunes. Reviews mean a lot to us. Please let us know what you think of the show. And now, our interview with the author. So, welcome to the back end of the Wicked Library. I'm Jeanette Andromeda from HorrorMade.com, and I am here with the man who's been locked in the basement since Dan Foytek took over, uh, Nelson W. Piles. How you doing, Nelson? I'm doing good, Jeanette. How you doing? Doing pretty darn good. I don't awesome. know where that accent came from, but it is here now. <laughs> um, so, what have you been up to since you've been locked in the basement? Uh, you know, getting to know the spiders, learning to see in the dark. You know, all sorts of fun, <laughs> fun japes like that. <laughs> so uh, the spiders now have uh, names, at least, I hope. Uh, of course they Of course they do. <laughs> I, I, have, I have this weird habit if there's anything, any cool bug. Like if I see a spider, I will name the spider and I won't kill the spider unless it's like crawling up my leg or, you know, coming after me. But I'll usually tend to leave them alone and I'll give them a cool name. Aww. And I'm like, hey, Ar- Archimedes, what's going on? How's it going? <laughs> and we'll just rock on from there. Is that why your uh, new book coming out, Spiders in the Daffodils, is the uh, a totally <laughs> spider in the daffodils? Spiders in the daffodils. Spiders in the daffodils. Um, yeah. Is that why there's spiders there? No, you know what? It's weird. <laughs> I, I I actually noticed that I didn't name any of the spiders in the book. It was like the one time I'm like, I want to give the spider a cool name. And I just kind of like, no, it's just the spider. <laughs> and the, and the spiders that are, that are in the weird thing, I actually researched the kind of spiders that live in, in uh, Corpus Christi. Nice. Cause I didn't want to, you know, but you know, I didn't want to be the guy that puts like, you know, a spider like that would die within a week if he lived in Corpus Christi. So I'm like, right. All right. <laughs> You know, so I try, I I try to suck. push up nose bridge. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I, I didn't want to put like a, you know, a, a, a bird eating spider in there. It's like, no, they wouldn't make it living down there. <laughs> like, okay. So it's a, uh, it's an orb spider. It's a yellow, nice. it's a really cute spider, actually. So it's going to be really fun trying to get somebody to be like, okay, take a picture of this orb spider on a daffodil, see? <laughs> That's where Photoshop might be a friend. Otherwise, yeah, that's going to be an interesting photo shoot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> First, let's catch an orb spider. Okay, daffodils are a little bit easier, but as long as it's in the springtime, dot, 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 dot. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, was very excited, actually, to find out that there was a crossover episode between The Lift and The Wicked Library. And how did you approach writing this story? 
it was weird because this is something when even before uh Dan took over the show. He had been talking about. He's very, as as you may know, Dan's very meta, mm-hmm. and he likes things that are connected. And he had written a story, and he would used Stitch as like a side character <laughs> in a in, in a story here in a story run. It's a really cool story. Um, and he's like, it'll be great if uh you know Victoria somehow met the librarian. And he certainly, like, between him and Steve Matico, who did awesome art for this episode, uh, Steve and John Towers did really great art That's awesome. uh, for this episode. And uh, he's, he, he'd always talked about doing it, and he did a, he did a comic book for, for the beginning of his tenure as the host of the Wicked Library. And it was really cool, and it was, you know, Victoria and the library meeting, you know, in the library. And he was he always kind of like... It was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if, if, if Victorian librarian met and, and stuff, you know, and, and <laughs> he, you know, he kind of put it on me. I just let it sit there. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, not that I'm anti-meta. I think it's, I think it's kind of cool. And I resisted it for a really long time. <laughs> and I was thinking, of, I was thinking about it. And when I did, uh, I did a story for last year's Christmas episode, which turned out to be the, the origin of the librarian. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want, I never wanted the librarian to be like an active member of, of anything. He was just kind of like the creepy host, like the crypt keeper, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking, eh, the crypt keeper had an origin story. Yeah, I'll make one for him. You know, I'll make one for the librarian. And it was a lot of fun. And then I started, like, um, after my story, The Basement, from last year, he's like, you know, come up with something for next year, too. <laughs> and I started thinking about it. I'm like, how cool would it be if the librarian showed up in Victoria's lift? And, uh, and, and there we go. And, you know, and I didn't want it to be, I, I think the anticipation of like, you know, librarian meets Victoria would be like, you know, Victoria versus the librarian, <laughs> you know, like, like monster of the week or something yeah. like that. And it's, you, you know, I think people, you know, I mean, at this point they've already heard the story, yeah. but I think the misconception is that the librarian's evil and he's not. You know, he, not not even a little bit. I mean, he you know he has fun on the little <laughs> the things like you know, oh, oh let's kill him today. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, you know, he's he's very much just like an agent of chaos. He's not a bad guy, and I was completely uh, enamored with the idea of him being this spectral uncle to Victoria, and like having him just show up randomly in the library and her being absolutely delighted to see him, you know, and it's, it, you know, had the, the story provided lots of opportunities to, to write something cute, which is something that I don't really often get to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of fun seeing these two, like very much horror characters, just like having a, a more human moment. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And talking about destiny, I thought that was really nice because, like, you do. I do wonder, like, how does Victoria feel about this existence that she has, and how does the librarian feel about his existence? And it was cool to see kind of what they were feeling and how they took control of it. Yeah, it was. It, it it's always something that kind of 
you know, noodles around your own head, I think, for most people. It's like, well, what am, what am I supposed to be doing? And at the end of the day, it's really up to you what you're supposed to be doing. And yep. it doesn't matter if you're nine or 900. And, uh, it was just, it was just appealing to write that. I mean, Victoria's a great character to write. Um, which is a tremendous amount of fun. And I give, I give Dan a lot of credit for kind of leasing her out to other authors. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, my first response when, when he said, you know, when, when he was getting ramping up to do the lift and he's like, well, I'm going to write this story and Cindy's going to write this story and then I'm going to open up the universe to other writers. And my first instinct was like, Oh my God, why would you do that? <laughs> why are you letting other people touch your baby like that? It's awful, you know? And, and then, you know, and he very much has a, has not, not like a, a tyrant's grip on the character, but you know, he kind of reigns in a little bit without being a, a, a pain in the ass about it. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is pretty cool. And it's very hard to do. And I don't think I would be comfortable doing that, um, w- w- with anything. I mean, I've done it very, very tiny, minuscule little amount. Yeah. And, it, and, and I've lucked out, knock on wood, it hasn't, you know, <laughs> destroyed my soul, but I give him a lot of credit for doing that. And he winds up with a lot of really incredible stories about a character that him and Sydney came up with. And she's taken on an entire life of her own, which is fun. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So we kind of talked about where the story started. That's always a good one. I would like to hear more about what have you been working on lately beyond spiders and the daffodils? Well, I've been been doing a lot of stuff. Um, Kind of, you know, there's been a lot of uh upstairs retooling because you know it is a tremendously difficult thing to be uh an introvert that does extroverted things on a regular basis and that's one of the reasons why I stepped away from from the wicked library in the first place you know like that's you know th- there is a tremendous amount of energy expended to kind of go against your nature like I was doing the wicked library on a weekly basis mm-hmm. for a long time. And that meant recording and listening to myself in my ears, you know, for, for months and weeks on end, you know, and I also narrate audiobooks and, you know, stuff and I was burning out. Mm-hmm. So I needed to, to step away from pretty much all of it. Um, you know, and now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm getting the writing muscle, uh, back into shape. So I'm working on, still working on the edits for Spiders and the Daffodils. I'm working feverishly on the sequel to Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes. Nice. Um, I, I've got a bunch of uh, smaller stories that I'm shopping around that will probably, want, you know, more than likely wind up in Everything Here's a Nightmare 2. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, this, th- there's a, there's a sweet little story. Uh, that, that I just got a rejection letter on yesterday. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like you know, and it, it, it still happens. I mean, like you can get, you know, of, if you send out 10 different stories and you get nine accepting uh, acceptances and there's one rejection, you're like, why didn't you like the story? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, every acceptance feels like a million bucks, but every rejection's like a punch in the kidneys. 
<laughs> so, you know, so I'm, I'm rebuilding the, the coffers of the, the short work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult to, to, to find time to do all of, all of this stuff, but yeah. You know, that's, you know, and that's my, my raison d'etre. Raison d'etre. So. <laughs> how have you been finding time to, to do more writing lately? Um, I, I fell back on an old method and it's, it's tried and true and I can dislike it and hate it all I want. It's called getting up really early in the morning <laughs> when everybody, when everybody else is asleep. Uh, before their alarms go off and they, you know, the, 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 my daughters get ready for school and my wife gets ready to go to work. You know, I have a finite amount of time to get stuff done. Probably when we're done talking, I'm going to pull up, um, you know, the sequel, which, the, and, and I, I, it's been hard finding a working title for, you know, a sequel to Demons, Dolls and Milkshakes. Yeah. And I don't want to <laughs> call it Demons, Dolls and Milkshakes too, because there's, you know, Demons, dolls, and double milkshakes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we're looking. We're, we're looking at um, angels' blood and milkshakes. Oh, currently. nice. <laughs> and uh, and you know because because there are angels in it. And <laughs> I was thinking like the tagline for demons was uh, you know size doesn't matter. All demons are dicks. <laughs> it's like but angels turn out to be bigger dicks than demons, which is. <laughs> Which has been a lot of fun to, That's to awesome. explore. But yeah, I mean, you just kind of, I mean, it's, it's like anything else you have to make time for. If you want to, if that's what you want to do, you have to find time to do it. Even if it's inconvenient or exhausting, even if it's for like, you know, if you, if you get like a half an hour to take a break and not do anything other than that, sit down and write. Yep. And it's difficult to, to find, but I'm kind of, you know, after after finishing uh, daffodils and just kind of getting back into the groove of writing again, and it's 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 hard to find time, but you know, find it I do. I'm proud. It's I've <laughs> I've also been doing similar things with my uh, <laughs> attempts at writing. I've been doing better. <laughs> I've oh, even good. started taking like my lunch breaks or when I'd bring out my notebook and like try to get out at least two pages of something down. Um, cause too often I get the story so flushed out in my brain and then don't actually take it to that next step and write it down. And that's, you know, half, <laughs> that's most of it is the actual writing. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like being an archeologist. Like, you mm-hmm. know what it's supposed to look like. You just have to keep uncovering it until it, you know, closely resembles what it's supposed to look like, you know, <laughs> yeah. or sculpting, you know, I, um, uh, Every time I get to see uh, the Wicked Library's uh, resident favorite writer, Jessica McHugh, she <laughs> has a pile of notebooks with different stuff that she's that, that are all going on at the same time. And she'll be talking to you. She'll listen and understand every word that you say. She's paying attention to you, but she's writing at the same time. Damn. And it's daunting. <laughs> I mean – yeah, you know, and I've if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. She has the like the best work ethic as a writer. I mean, in the past, I think six or seven years, she's written twenty something novels, and nineteen of them are published. Wow. I mean, and she's still going. She's talking about like, and, she, and she's like Facebook guru. Like yep. she's posting her cats and shit, and she's like, <laughs> she's you know, she's posting a picture. 
of uh, of her eating a tuna sandwich in a bar with a notebook. <laughs> and by the time three people have looked at the picture, she's just written 20,000 words. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> things for all of us to aspire to. <laughs> Absolutely. I can do that with art, but not, definitely not with uh, writing. I have to have my complete and utter focus for writing. I can do that. Yeah. How it's do you very- like, what's your uh, routine for when you get into writing? Uh, it sounds like right now it's roll out of bed with your <laughs> thoughts yeah, I mean, in it's, mind. It's, it's more out of functionality. It's not about uh getting in the right frame of mind or or anything like that it's like it's you know i I very much approach it like uh any other job it's like you you know okay um i have a cup of coffee so when i get in the car i'm not gonna hit anybody (laughs) i may yell at them but i won't crash into them i get out of bed i get a cup of coffee and if i can it's like um there's a weightlifting analogy i think where it's like if you could just get into the gym and start picking up the weights you can do the workout. So if I can mm-hmm. just shoulder roll out of bed and get in front of the keyboard, I can write. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since, you know, all art is subjective, whether it's crap or not is really dependent on by the time you know, the next day comes around and I take a look at what I wrote the day before and I go, ooh, it's crap. But we're <laughs> going to keep it anyway and keep rolling forward. Yeah. And just keep building off of it. Do you, yeah, um, I, mean, I know you have this habit of like saving neurotically all of the drafts that you're working on. Are I there do. things where you're like really tempted to just delete it, but still keep it anyway? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be like, I saw it's an email account from when I lived in New Jersey, <laughs> uh, 15, 16 years ago. And it's the first draft of a story called Spring in New York. And it's a horrible draft of the story, <laughs> but it's still in there, you know. And there's uh, uh, this, this this thing I sent to uh, Warren Murphy in the early 2000s. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I found this. I haven't seen this story since it got published like a million years ago. <laughs> Do I delete it? I'm like, no, I'll send it to a newer email account so I don't have to, you know, reset the password on this one again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm loath to get rid of copies of things, just in ca- you know, just in case just the worst case. happens. Yeah. Have you ever needed to like rummage through them for like if for any reason like a computer crashed or something? Has this like safety net been helpful at some point? You know, I haven't I, I haven't had to knock on wood, but if it ever does happen, I'm I'm covered. Like you know, I've this guy, I've got this little 14 gig flash drive that everything that I've done is on. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there's the original draft of demons. There's everything here is a nightmare. There's a ton of short stories that no one's seen before. You know, it's uh, you know if if the world ends this survives, you know, my work is still there. So my doppel, (laughs) you know, my in the bunker doppelganger is still there and he'll carry on. So (laughs) he'll just have your little USB stick and be like, yes, I, the real Nelson piles wrote this story a thousand (laughs) years ago and I will now share it. (laughs) You know, in a thousand years from now, people go, who (laughs) kind of like, Present day Nelson W. <laughs> no, I think you're going to be the flying spaghetti monster of the future. Oh man, I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Select I'm you people will really just worship you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a horrible world that would be. 
<laughs> I think it'd be amazing. <laughs> I may start it. The clan no. of <laughs> Nelson the, the, the Piles. Clan of, the clan of Nelson Piles. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, well, we got one. And that's all we really need. Done. Just, just did it. That's cool. <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> Perfect. Well, even though you're not an extrovert, where can people find you and uh, poke you and bother you in the um, internet world? Pretty much just wandering aimlessly around. This- <laughs> no, you can- <laughs> uh, I'm, of course, on Facebook. Um, you can find my author page. It's Nelson. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Nelson. Piles. Um, I was going to give you the Matty Von Stark answer, which is Google me, but that's extraordinarily pretentious. And <laughs> she pulled it off without sounding like an asshole, but I can't. <laughs> I just sound like an asshole. So um, I'm constantly trying to revamp NelsonWPiles.com. So, you know, roll the dice. Maybe there's something new there. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at NelsonWPiles. And currently the only place you can hear me um, is uh, once a month on Red Horse Radio with uh, Dr. John Towers and uh, Tempting Melanie which is uh, kind of a cool little thing. And we just go in there and we bullshit for 45 minutes and we go home. Nice. (laughs) And then we like hang out afterwards. And uh, and yeah, so. That sounds like a fun time. It was fun being in the Red Horse Radio studio for a little while there. Yeah, you guys, I I wish I'd been there just to witness the debauchery. (laughs) By the way. Yeah. So, so Halloween, we cracked open the, uh, the, the, the honey wine, uh, the the moonshine, the apple nice. honey moonshine. Wow, yeah. it's it's like being pleasantly punched in the face. It was <laughs> so strong. I was like, can, you know, because my first thought was like Connecticut moonshine. <laughs> and then I I took a drink and all of the hair on the back of my neck fell off. So I was like, this is some pretty good stuff. So yes. thank you for that. You're Fabulous. very welcome. <laughs> that could help uh, dehair your neck. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Wicked Library, and uh, we'll kill you another time. (laughs) Bye, kitties.